0: great to see all of you here in church today. I'm Jim Lynch. I used to be the pastor up at Loveland. That's been about 12 years ago since I wrapped that up. And uh, I, this summer, have spent my summer filling in for the pastor at the Chapel of the Interlude. You've never heard of it well it's in drake colorado it's in the mountains and it's a little independent church and the pastor has been gone to minnesota back to his home country (laughs) and uh, he's back now this sunday with the folks but i've been up there since may was nice to meet pamela and uh get to hear her share with us, with the children. And uh, we used to live in Albuquerque and would go down to First Indian Church where she grew up at the First Church down there. And uh, knew a lot of the people there at First Indian. Apache Trails is what they originally called it. And so, anyway... A few connections to your church always makes me feel good when you tell me who you are and and what you're up to, and it's always fun to renew acquaintances with people. Um, Now, I want to try to talk to you today from the Word of God, and um, I want to try to talk to you about the danger of spiritual drifting, the danger of spiritual drifting, and I want us to go to the book of Hebrews, to the second chapter in the book of Hebrews, and our scripture reading this morning will commence at verse 1, chapter 2, verse 1 in Hebrews. Now, this is the first of five warnings that are here in the book of Hebrews. And so, if you get bored with what I'm saying, see if you can find all five of the warnings that are here in the the book of Hebrews. We must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For if the message spoken by angels was binding and ever every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? This salvation which was first announced by the Lord was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to His will. That uh, first part there, we must pay more careful attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. Now, I've done some floating of rivers around, and uh, I've encountered the experience of drift. And it's easy to drift, especially when you get caught up with what you're watching. Uh, You know, one, one morning we were drifting down the South Platte River, and here was a doe... And her fawn standing in the water. And that was a beautiful sight to see the deer there. Another time a bald eagle swept in over our canoe and took a look at us. And then took off again. I was glad he didn't want to take a bite. Uh, But a lot of of drifting happens on rivers when people are not paying attention Uh, I've been known, even this past Sunday, I was driving to Drake Drake, up uh, Highway 34, and uh, I said I was driving. Uh, It was a good thing my granddaughter was sitting beside me because she was alert and watching the road. I was looking for some mountain sheep. And uh, when I was looking for some mountain sheep, a car just ahead of me decided to turn left. And so they had stopped, dead stop. And suddenly Brooke said, Grandpa! (laughs) I understood what that meant. It meant, Grandpa, pay attention to your driving. So I slammed on the brakes, went off to the shoulder of the road so I wouldn't rear-end the people, And we survived. But it can happen so quick. Drift in our lives. And um, I want to try to talk about that with you here today, if I may. Um, Now I'm going to have to raise the pulpit just a little bit because of my bifocals. I don't see things as good as I used to. And so I'm going to have to pay attention Oh, you know, I've floated the um, Illinois River in Oklahoma. Did you know there was an Illinois River in Oklahoma? Well, it's over in eastern Oklahoma, and it's a beautiful little river. And I've floated it uh, with canoe, I've floated it with raft, I've floated it when it was calm and, and, and easy, I've floated it when it was really just about out of its banks. And so you must learn to pay attention. Now, drifting doesn't just happen on rivers when we're floating uh, a body of water like that, but it can happen for people that are flying, people that are not paying attention to all of their instruments and what's going on out in front of them and around them. And they can find themselves in some trouble and be caught up in the drifting. I've also uh, floated the river, the Salt River, out in the uh, Mesa, Arizona area, and that's a wonderful river. The only problem with floating that in an inner tube is that by the time you get finished, your backside is frozen. And it's it's a very cold river, even in the the middle of the summer. And uh, you you wonder, are you going to be able to walk again when you've floated that river? But again, you have to pay attention to where you're going. If you're not careful, you can just drift off into some trees that have grown up along the river's edge and get hung up. And uh, also on the Platte River... You have to be real careful and pay attention because they have diversion dams. You know what diversion dams are? Places where they pull water off of the river and put it into uh, canals to irrigate with. And you don't want to go over the diversion dam. You, you can lose your life doing that one. There's a big one at Fort Morgan uh, on the Platte and some... Young men died going over that one many years ago. Um, now, the Apostle, and this, a lot of people think that the book of Hebrews was uh, written by the Apostle Paul, but through uh, one of his uh, secretaries, uh, Sylvanius, is what many scholars think. That Sylvanius had been with Paul for years and been his scribe and written up his material. And uh, so now he just writes this book of Hebrews on his own, but he's reflecting what the Apostle Paul would have written. So whether it's uh, Sylvanius or some other person, Sylvanius is also called Silas in the scriptures. So it could have been. Who knows which um, secretary that Paul had. Could have been any of those different ones. The, uh, The primary thing for us is pay attention. Pay close attention. We must pay more careful attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. Now in the Church of the Nazarene, we by and large hear good gospel preaching where Jesus is lifted up and where we're encouraged to follow the way of holiness. And so we're encouraged to pay attention to what we've been taught and don't don't let it just go in one ear and out the other. Pay attention to what God is saying to you through your evangelists and pastors and those people in your life and in your church. Uh, The writer of Hebrews tells us the bottom line in Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1. Therefore, holy brothers who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, the apostle and high priest, whom we confess. Fix your eyes on Jesus, and if you pay attention to Jesus, you'll never go astray. You're not going to get off track. You're going to wind up where you're supposed to be, paying attention to him. Now, if you pay attention to somebody else, maybe somebody in the church, Maybe some special uh, television preacher or somebody who's coming through the country telling some exciting things but you don't even know really who they are or what they're about. That could be dangerous. So pay attention to what Jesus is saying. Again, the Apostle uh, it says in Hebrews 12, 2 and 3, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. They teach us when they're trying to teach us how to take aim and shoot a gun to line things up, get it lined up, this end with that end, get it lined up, and don't Pull the trigger, but squeeze the trigger. Pay attention. Okay, what do we learn from Jesus? This is the, this is the message, I think. Uh, around here... Now, I, I know there aren't that many teenagers here this morning, but there was a period of time where a lot of teenagers wore a little wristband that said WWJD what would Jesus do and that's a very important question whether you're a teenager or an old geezer like me one lady was wanting to know my age when I was visiting her this morning because I think she was wanting to Let me know I wasn't the oldest one here. And you do have some folks that are up in years. Uh, Up at the Chapel of the Interlude, I've gotten to speak to a lady that was uh, 95 years old and would come to church. And you've got one 94 years old. I believe that's right, 94. And she comes to church. And it's been coming for a long time. Uh, Well, thank God for faithful people. People who stick with it. People who stay on track and are there. You can count on them. And that's what the Apostle is trying to help us get the picture for. Um, In the world that the book of Hebrews was written to um, and some people think it was written to the Jews the Jewish Christians in Rome possibly uh, the Apostle Paul uh, probably many times in the presence of Silvanius or Silas had mentioned about stick with the basics and and In all sports, the theme is always stick with the basics. Um, Did uh, the Broncos win yesterday? They did? Okay. Well, at least one... Let's hope that's not the record for the year or the season. Uh, Let's let's hope that uh, all the way along they will stick to the basics and uh, follow through with what they know to do. I like the statement, basics win championships. And in our spiritual journey, basics win for us. When, when we stay with the basics. And, and what are what are the basics in the Christian journey? Well, the first thing I've already mentioned, keeping your eye on Jesus, following Him. And then uh, a part of that, following Him, is communing with Him on a regular basis. Knowing Him personally. Um... Not just a quick, uh, how you doing God, see you later, none of that. But spending time with him, opening our hearts to him in prayer, opening his word so that we might know the mind of Christ. Letting his word speak to us. This is the importance of devotions. It's important for us to be in the word of God on the, on a regular basis if if we if we're not into the word regularly how are we going to understand the things that happen in our lives if we don't have god's word for interpreting life we're going to miss it we need his word to give us wisdom to give us direction to give us understanding to give us a Continuity and steadiness as a person. So stay with the basics of following the Lord, and you will be a winner. Now, uh, the salvation that the writer is talking to us about is spelled out for us uh, of the picture of salvation. Pretty much in this second chapter beginning at verse 10. And the first thing he says to us right out of the chute is that there in verse 10. Bringing many sons to glory. The salvation that we know in Jesus will bring us to glory. One of my favorite sermons is a sermon I do on heaven. And um, I might just preach it next Sunday. You prayed that I'll have the mind of the Lord on whether to do the heaven sermon. Because I think we just need to remind it. There is a real heaven that Christ has prepared for us. And he wants us to go there. And I like the way, in bringing many sons to glory, some glad day, we'll be there in a place called heaven. And I won't go into that right now, but that's part of the picture. And uh, then the next thing is a reminder there in verse 10, salvation is provided by God. I think... As children, we tend to be very moralistic. And it's not until we become mature in Christ that we realize my morals are but filthy rags in His sight. I have no perfection. I've thought about my children. What makes my children little lynches? What makes them little lynches? That they are identical to me? That they are exactly what I am? No. What makes them little lynches is they were born little lynches. And what makes you a Christian? Is you were born a Christian. That's what makes the difference you see. Uh, Your perfection is nothing. Now. Out of the relationship with Jesus. You're going to act like Jesus. You're going to treat people like Jesus treated people. You're going to love people like Jesus loved people. You're going to be there for people as Jesus has been there for us all these over 2,000 years now. See, that's the beauty of it. We are born into His kingdom. We do not earn our way into His kingdom. The kingdom is a gift. It is a gift of salvation. Uh, Let me have you look there at verse uh, 10b. It it was fitting that God for whom and through whom everything exists. Through whom? Through Jesus. See, through Jesus, we're a part of the picture, the story of salvation. And so, the next thing is that he reminds us is that Jesus was perfected for us through suffering. He became the provider by suffering for us. We didn't do the suffering. He has already done the suffering. Um, Let's pick it up there in the latter part of verse 10. God for whom and through whom everything exists should make the author... Of their salvation. Perfect through suffering. See it's the cross. That made Jesus perfect. What does Jesus say. In the high priestly prayer. uh, John 17. He said. I sanctify myself. That you may be. Sanctified. By sanctify, he says, I set myself apart by dying on the cross, an innocent man, a perfect man. I set myself apart by becoming the sacrifice for all sin, for everyone who will trust me. I sanctify myself. That you too may be sanctified. That you will be set apart unto God. That you will be set apart unto his glory. That you will be set apart as holy, as different than the rest of the world. That you will be set apart as a people of faith and as a people of love. That that Those will be your hallmarks. People will know you because your faith is in Jesus. And they will know you because your behavior is lovely. Do you get the picture? That's Christ's picture, you see. He sanctified, he perfected himself by his death on the cross for you and for me. All right? The next thing about this salvation that's important to notice in this section is the purpose of salvation is to make us holy. And this is possible because of faith in Jesus. The Apostle Paul said it this way in Romans eight twenty nine, For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of His Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. We are brothers with Christ. And even as he was holy, we are to be holy in him because of our relationship to him. Uh, I think the holiness movement has gotten sidetracked through the years into thinking That our holiness came from our behavior. No. Our holiness came from our relationship to Jesus. See, it's in Him. In Him. Not in us. Does that mean we forsake good behavior? No. That means we cling to it all the more. Because He is Lord. In our lives. And we know him by faith. Trusting in him completely. Therefore we want to mirror who he is. And live like he would have us to live. Back to WWJD. What would Jesus do? Is a part of that picture for us. Okay, the fifth thing that is in this section here about our salvation we cannot enter unless we've been born of the spirit. Let me get into the scripture here. First, pick it up in verse 11. Both the one who makes men holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers. I will declare your name to my brothers. In the presence of the congregation, I will sing your praises. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again he says, here am I and the children of God, God has given me. Since the children, verse 14 now. Since the children have flesh and blood. He too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. So we are set free from the fear of death by Christ. Not by bucking up. No. No. By faith in him who has already died and risen from the dead. That's our hope. That's our power. That's our difference. Uh, he is the one who gives life to me and to you. And so, how do we stay on course? Keep looking to Jesus. Don't be looking for the goats and the sheep. Keep looking. To Jesus that's how you stay on course looking unto him um, also in this he gives us power to be overcomers and this power to be an overcomer I want you to drop down to verses 17 and 18 for this reason he had to be made like his brothers in every way In order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God. And that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. See, you think sometimes you've been through the mill. I want you to know... Our Lord Jesus went through the ringer in our behalf. And life can put you through the ringer. Things happen. And you, you didn't invite those things to happen to you. You you didn't go looking for bankruptcy. It just happened. You 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 didn't want your marriage to end in a divorce, but it did. You didn't want your spouse to die. But it happened. Sickness came. Cancer came. And tough things can happen to God's people. But in the midst of life suffering, be reassured. As the Apostle Paul said, I know in whom I have believed, and am persuaded that He is able to keep that which I've committed to Him against that day. He is our keeper. He is the one who has suffered for us. He bore all the sin. All the trials were heavy on Him. But He did it that we might have life and hope and strength that we would be overcomers. I came across a piece, and I'm going to head toward the end now. There is hope. Yeah. Uh, Your associate offered me a bottle of water earlier, and I turned her down. I thought I was going to be okay, but would you get that bottle of water for me? Uh, Not whiskey, Water. I heard about one old preacher that, well, it was John Knox, that's who it was, founder of the Presbyterian Church. He said, "A, a quick snort before the service always helps loosen it up. Here I'd been praying that the Lord would loosen it up. But I would appreciate that water. Now, I came across this piece, and I, I wanted to share it with you. I don't know why it spoke to me, but it did. You know how sometimes you're—it something catches your attention. Um, this is a comparison of the Old Testament dispensation to New Testament dispensation. Now, that word dispensation means time or period, period. Uh, historical perspective. So, here it is. Uh, About eight different things. Thank you, Justin, so very much. Appreciate it. And uh, you'll excuse me here for a moment to wet my whistle. Otherwise, we'll be in trouble. You probably heard, didn't you, about the preacher that was preparing for communion Sunday. And the secretary of the church came in and said, "Uh, Pastor, where where is the juice for communion? And he said, well, it's, it's in the kitchen in that second set of cabinets in the lower shelf, kind of to the back. So she went in and she got the juice and Unknown to her, she didn't taste it or anything. It was actually a bottle of persimmon juice. And she poured persimmon juice in all the little cups. And when the pastor drank his, he, he said, Now we'll whistle the doxology. <laughs> so that's how I was feeling like I was going to whistle my closing there. Uh, Old Testament was provided for the Jews alone. New Testament, everyone is provided for all mankind. Old Testament was full of significant types and ceremonies. New Testament is the substance of all. Those types and ceremonies. It's the fulfillment. Old Testament referred chiefly to the body and the outward state of man. Washings and external cleansings of the flesh. New Testament is very inward. Knowing we must have our hearts made right before the rest of us can be made right. Old Testament promised temporal happiness. New Testament promises spiritual, perpetual happiness. Amen? Old Testament belonged chiefly to the time. New Testament belongs to time and eternity. It doesn't end when you hit the grave. No. You have hope in Christ. Old Testament had its glory, but that was nothing when compared to the exceeding glory of the gospel made clear in the New Testament. Moses administered the Old Testament dispensation. Jesus Christ, the creator and savior of the world, administered the New Testament for us. God with us incarnate. And so the last thing. This is a great salvation. Infinitely beyond the Old Testament dispensation. But how great no tongue can describe. That's what the book of Revelation is about. Trying to help us just to get a glimpse. A little picture of what heaven will be like someday well um, I I came across a hymn and I was so pleased that you still had the books around and uh, Connie where would you go are you still available and uh, yeah okay let's go to page 577 stand to your feet and don't sing the end the end no Sing this song here. Jesus is all I need. That's the real bottom line. Jesus is all I need. He will keep you from drifting. He will keep you on course. Three or five seventy seven. Jesus, come ahead, Connie. I'll stay up here with you.
1: I of life, Jesus Jesus is is all I need. need. Peace he imparts whatsoever the strife, Jesus Jesus is is all all I need. This is all.
0: Thank you, Connie. Thank you so much. You rescued the perishing, cared for the dying, and mostly you helped me and uh, kept, us, kept us going here. Uh, I, I did one time audition with a voice teacher at Bethany, and uh, he looked at me in all seriousness. He said, Jimmy... You have the kind of voice that people will follow, but you'll lead them astray. (laughs) So, it happens. To Him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before His glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. And God bless you and have a great week.